Welcome to the Person and the Power podcast with Pastor Tim Johnson, as he invites us to cultivate a deep and profound relationship with the Holy Spirit of the living and loving God. After 25 years of ministry, Pastor Tim's desire is that all of us would experience both the Spirit's transformational intimacy and the supernatural activity in our daily lives. Now, here's Pastor Tim. So I just might be a Bigfoot believer. (laughs) I couldn't even say that with a full straight face, although there is some truth to that. I can just imagine like half of all the podcast listeners are now really second guessing their investment in listening to this podcast over the last several months. And maybe just maybe some of you all are thinking exit stage left right now. So let me say this, maybe rephrase it. I want to believe that there's a Bigfoot, or at least I grew up in my, really my, all my young life, believing there could be a Bigfoot. I still remember one of the very first movies that, I can't remember, oh, what was the name of that movie? Oh, um, The Boggy Creek Monster, is that right? The Legend of the Boggy Creek Monster, or something Boggy Creek. Anyway, that was basically the introduction for me as a seven-year-old, eight-year-old, watching this movie with my sister. Oh my goodness, I remember being scared out of my living wits as watching this movie in the living room of the house. Uh, Again, Legend of the Boggy Creek Monster or something to that effect, and just scared to death but kind of loving that feeling, at least then as a kid, right? And so, and then I remember, was it Patterson? I think the name's Patterson, the guy who apparently got a video of Bigfoot walking or maybe running across some woods and uh, in, in some forest land, I think in Oregon or Washington State. I was blessed to teach and preach at Bayshore uh, camp, family camp last year, and it's in the thumb of Michigan. And I remember reading and talking to a person who believes they have seen Bigfoot, but the thumb of Michigan is now, I don't know if it's number one, because I think the the Pacific Northwest is still, oh my goodness, I think it's number one forever and ever on Bigfoot sightings, Oregon, Washington. But the, the upper peninsula, I'm sorry, the thumb and even the UP in Michigan have moved up the list of sightings for Bigfoot, all right? So growing up, again, growing up, just remember thinking uh, and watching those movies and and coming to at least a, I don't know, even today as an adult, let me jump all the way (laughs) to a 59-year-old. I would love to believe that that myth, that, that mystery, that legend, is true. And I tell my kids and anyone who will listen, I believe in Bigfoot. And I I don't, but I want to. Does that make sense? And I hope that makes sense. Because again, just growing up, it was formational in my growing up to be scared of Bigfoot. I remember camping out, you know, our big campouts in our house, you know, taking the pup tent that leaked every drop of dew, you know, and those hard floor, those hard, that just those nights of the cold, hard ground, 
sleeping bags just didn't cut it. But having flashlights and something about a backyard in the daytime is not the same. Come on, amen? As a backyard in the nighttime, especially when you're camping out, especially after telling, yep, Bigfoot stories. So we lived in a very quiet, older, elderly subdivision, not even called subdivision, just a community, just a little tiny community. E-Town was not nearly like it is now, but we lived on Helm Street and right behind us was an alleyway and that alleyway was led to a, a wooded area and a creek perfect you got it for bigfoot so again bigfoot stories uh, were the i mean the lore of all kinds of summer nights in the uh, they were the standard for we didn't have campfires in when we grew up as far as we just didn't have a we didn't we had every now and then we burnt trash and maybe every now and then i remember hanging around the the fire pit or the fire the trash fire the trash can has the you know, we were burning trash, but we just didn't have a fire pit or a fire, you know, kind of a campfire like you would think when you tell stories or scary stories. But oh, we would tell the stories nonetheless in our tent with our flashlights and, and we would then at every sound. And then I think I remember Michael, uh, the, uh, our, our brother, my, you know, me and Pam, our twins were in the tent and maybe Michael would be three years older. Michael would be quote Bigfoot. We didn't know it, but he was out roaming around and, and uh, throwing pebbles at the tent. And I remember, I don't know how many times, screaming, coming, <laughs> running from the tent, which was what? Probably not even 25, 35 yards from the back door of the house, running, screaming in. I remember at least, I remember this at least a couple of summer nights where we would come just screaming in because we were convinced Bigfoot was in the uh, was in the backyard but every noise turned into bigfoot we would tell stories we were convinced we go and even today again firmer chapel some of you know firmer chapel really well some of you don't but firmer chapel is a church uh, in in really surrounded by woods right behind it is a creek where we do almost a lot of our baptisms not all of them but a lot of our baptisms are done in that little creek a little indian creek behind us you've got woods everywhere and so you've got the parsonage, which is across the street. Uh, you got a, you got the church, just again, country chapel. You've got Firmer Chapel Road, country two-lane country road. You've got a parking lot. You've got a big cemetery, first of all, right across the street from Firmer Chapel. And that's always good <laughs> for a good scare, right? Always good for a good scare is the cemetery. And uh, you know what it means to whistle uh, in the graveyard or whistle? Th- uh, I, think it's, I think the old saying is whistling in the graveyard. Well, you're whistling in the graveyard to kind of because you're scared. You're whistling in the graveyard so that the lore is that you would announce yourself that so that you would maybe try to scare away anything that's there before it scares you. So anyway, and whistling in the graveyard is a sure sign that you yourself are scared. So, but then there's the parking lot and there's the, the parsonage. Well, going the other direction, so if I'm, so my house, our house is just, um, to the right or to the south of the church. Going north, if you will, from the church to 62, which is just a half a mile from uh, the end of the road uh, where it hits 62, the Highway 62 to the church, about a half a mile. But you go past the church and immediately you, you go down a hill. 
Well, that hill takes you into what we basically is called valley, Firmer Shovel Valley, that little valley, little dip, and it's a really thick area of woods. That's the point here. It's a really thick area of woods. Now, you walk through that thick area of woods, through the country road, and it takes a little bend, and then there's a straight stretch where it's clear. Uh, beautiful to walk in on, on, on evening time, nighttime, daytime, but there's cornfield, soybean field on either side. It's a, it's a straight stretch until you get to the bridge. So I used to tell my kids <laughs> when we were growing up, the straight stretch is really good, but in that wooded area, Bigfoot lives there. Right there at the foothills, if you will, of the church, right there at the foot of the hill of the church, is there's Bigfoot, because perfect. It's that wooded area, creek for water, and there's Bigfoot. Bigfoot lives there. The straight stretch, you're safe, but if, especially at nighttime, you get to that bridge, well, trolls live under the bridge. Yes, yes, I would tell my kids that. Yes, yes, as a pastor. Yes, as a Christian. Don't judge me. <laughs> Sorry, anyway. But the point is that it was kind of okay to kind of play a game, if you will, with scary things. Uh, it, it just was. And I know growing up, again, for us, that's what we, we, we watched scary movies, uh, read scary books. Uh, I've even went into teenage years and young adult years. Stephen King was my favorite author. I loved reading those stories, and, and, and I was a, an avid fan, an avid reader of his books, and an avid watcher of his movies whenever I had a chance. So I remember also, so moving from Bigfoot to Haunted House, now I've alluded to this in one of the podcasts before, our basement was the prime basement for Haunted Houses. So Halloween, we celebrated Halloween as kids, and uh, this is not a podcast to debate the merits of whether or not we are, should or shouldn't celebrate Halloween. We did as kids, we, we as a family. Again, we were not necessarily a Christianized going to church every Sunday family. I think for the most part we believed in God. We even may believed in Jesus, but we certainly didn't practice a lot of that. And I didn't get a lot of that teaching uh, at home. But our basement was perfect, perfect for haunted houses. Um, it was an old, uh, I don't remember what year it may have been built, but it was an old two and a half story house. It was kind of set up, I think, for different apartments because the kitchen was upstairs and downstairs. And, and so, but we had, um, I lived, I slept upstairs along with my brother. Um, but we were down, so you get to the second floor, the, the main floor, but you open the door with a kind of a, a deadbolt latch, if you will, kind of the um, push up and scoot over kind of deadbolt, uh, early kind of deadbolt. And you go downstairs and you walk down into this dark, unfinished, dirt floor basement that literally just has a couple of light. You don't even have a, I think, in fact, I don't remember. I really don't think there was a light switch to the right, you know, as it normally would be. I think you actually had to walk downstairs, go to a, at least he had to for the whole back, the basement. There may have been a light switch to illuminate part of the basement, but to actually get the whole basement lit up 
even in these dingy 40 watt, 60 watt bulbs hanging from a cord, literally hanging from an electrical cord thrown over a, a joist. Uh, you literally would just have to walk into the dark part of the basement, fumble your way around, <laughs> grabbing for anything and anybody who might still be who might be hiding in there, including Bigfoot, and then, and then grabbing that, finally hitting that string and you know turning that light on, and then then you're going to be face to face with anything, anywhere, anybody. So it was perfect. So Halloween, oh my gosh, we were the talk of the neighborhood. We, uh, I think we charged a whopping 25 cents <laughs> to enter into the haunted house. And I think it was me, Mike and Pam who were the biggest customers, but actually we worked the haunted house and we recruited a couple of our friends in the neighborhood. Uh, I've talked, talked before about the Howards who lived right next door. I know Chris and uh, Mary Jane and, um, and then uh, uh, Teresa, and, um, or Mary, I think Mary Jo, sorry, Mary Jo Howard. And then uh, I don't think Joe Howard helped, but, but we had, you know, all of us kind of went over there and we are downstairs and we would turn different places. There was uh, half of it was, there was only one little concrete slab and that was to the, so you had to uh, go, you could go outside. There's an outside entrance to the basement as well. And literally, it was a wooden door with a wooden handle that was attached just simply by a, it was a rotating little handle with a nail. If you remember, if you can think about that, if you can imagine that, some of you may know exactly what I'm talking about. Some of you may have to use a little bit of your uh, imagination here. Wooden door, and it was a concrete stoop. Some of you may know what a stoop is, but a stoop is, um, it's, it's a roofed concreted area that will lead to a basement. And that stoop came off of our utility room in the back of the house so but you could enter in from the back and that's how we brought them into the haunted house you didn't have to come to our house to go downstairs into the basement we, we kept you know mom and dad and the family kept that door closed so our entrance we the paid entrance was in that um, was in that you know that stoop wooden door and you would go down concrete steps you'd get to a concrete landing and that was about it. Uh, everything else was dirt floor. So we go to the right. And if I remember, uh, as soon as you went to the right, of course, we had scary music playing, uh, you know, ooh, you know, and we had all that music playing. We had people yelling in one area. I'll get to that in just a second. And as we were walking around, you had zombies coming at you. You had, um, uh, you had, I remember that as you go around, um, you had people kind of grabbing at you, and then we had that little door, uh, there, I'm sorry, the little room that was half uh, finished. There's, it was like it only came up about four foot tall with some wood planks, and then there was aluminum on it, uh, like some metal sheeting. It was crazy, and there's a little entryway, and you walk in, and that's where a madman was doing surgery on somebody <laughs> like a chainsaw you know we didn't have a chainsaw but we had something you know and, and then i think there's obviously dracula vampires whatever that was our haunted house and you could go through it and uh I, you know just be scared out of <laughs> out of your wits you know the point of all that whether it's bigfoot or haunted houses or scary movies fear is not a bad thing until it is. At least I didn't think it was a bad thing growing up. Uh, but we get to this passage in scripture in Romans 8. And I want to speak here real candidly for just a moment 
about one verse, actually kind of one part of the verse. It's the next verse in Romans. You know, I told you, we're not going to go real fast in Romans, especially Romans 8. Romans 8 is, that, is the climax of all climaxes for Scripture, I think. Romans 6, Romans 7, and now Romans 8. We're taking the slow walk through. Verse 15, so you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you receive God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. And now we call him Abba and Father. I want to really focus on that first part for just a few minutes here on this podcast. As kids, we, we found it harmless. I'll, I'll admit, I found it harmless, even as an adult, young adult, even to some degree as a, as a Christian, telling my kids Bigfoot lived in the, in the woods, you know, and, and just kind of having fun with that. But I've come to realize fear, fear is a gripper. Fear can grip you. I'm 59 years old and um, I, I've lived a pretty good chunk of life. I've got a whole lot, whole lot more life to live. But I've realized that fear can cause panic. Fear can, I want to go back to that word grip. Anybody out there know what I'm talking about? It can, fear can grip your mind, can it? I mean, like literally, all of a sudden, you can't think of anything but what fear makes you think. I don't know about anyone else. Again, this is a little bit transparent here. I have struggled at times with being a worst-case scenario thinking. Anybody, any other of my brothers and sisters willing to say amen? I've struggled at times with being a worst-case scenario thinking. I was sharing this with Pam not too long ago. It's like Velcro. You remember Velcro, right? Velcro upon Velcro, and you got yourselves, you got yourself an attachment. And sometimes it's a pretty solid attachment. So many times when fear is in play here, when fear is gripping us, we hear something or see something or think of something. And even though it's just not even logical or rational, and and you do know, by the way, fear feeds on irrationality, right? Fear feeds on the impractical. Fear feeds on the on the fact that it's not, it's just not even possible really, but it could be. And even that little tiny window, it, it just, that's where the fear sneaks in. But Velcro, that thought gets Velcroed into our spirit. Does anyone, is that making sense? Um, boy, I wish I could hear an amen because I think, I think I'm speaking someone's language. I know I'm speaking mine at times. Um, and listen, please hear me. I'm not saying Bigfoot caused all this. I'm not saying, I'm not even saying watching horror movies caused all this necessarily. I do believe that once we've come to Christ, uh, we, we do receive a spirit of life, a spirit of boldness. But also know that a lot of us, a lot of us have to walk through maybe some deliverance. And I'm, you know, maybe, some, maybe it's progressive deliverance where it's not just simply a counseling session or a prayer session, but it really is kind of a just walking through life realizing that there are places in our lives where fear can grip us. And that Velcro is that sense where we have a thought and it just sticks. And we just can't shake that thought. And once that thought sticks to us, even though it's irrational, it then produces more fear. And then fear then begins to beget fear and then begins to 
bring on panic and this sense of dread. And then what, guess what? Then there's hopelessness. It is a scary, gripping thing, this fear. Again, I want to be very clear. I'm not suggesting that our childhood living with Bigfoot and having you know those scary moments in the tent or uh, even haunted houses created that. I'm not necessarily saying that. It, could it have played into it? It could have. But I think there's just, I think the enemy works with fear anyway. And I think, is there such a thing as harmless fear? That could be debatable. It could be. I, I'm, not, I don't, I'm not here to uh, make that judgment to, uh, here for this podcast. What I am saying is I think a lot of us live in some fearful moments and fearful think, thinking and fearful attitudes. And, and I, for one, I've been surprised at times. Again, anyone else want to say amen to this? I've been surprised, my friends, at times of how much fear can grip me if I'm not careful. And I'm almost sometimes disappointed that the fear that I don't think has a hold of me, it does have a hold of me. Uh, my family and I went through a, a, a kind of a little bit of an um, uh, unsettled moment here the last few weeks with health. And, um, and we heard a word that is always going to produce fear, always. And we've walked through it, praise God. We believe we've walked through it and, and, and praising God for that. But even that one word just creates fear. And I don't think it's just the word. I think it's an attitude we have sometimes. And I just want to encourage you tonight, today, this morning, this evening, whenever you're listening to this, I want to encourage you. You have not received a spirit that makes you fearful. So being fearful I do think is a little different than childhood fear and having childhood games and childhood haunted houses and childhood Bigfoots. I, I, I think that's different. But even if it isn't, if you've received the Spirit of Christ, we'll talk more later about uh, the next couple of podcasts. We'll talk about being adopted into the family and what that means. And, but for this one, I just want to, I actually do want to pray here for just in just a moment. You do not have to live by fear. And I just know enough. I, I think I can speak to this. I know enough about my own life, friends. And I think I know enough about life as a pastor, as a person of faith, and a person that deals with a lot of people all the time. Fear is a gripper. Does that make sense? G-R-I-P-P-E-R, -P -P -E a gripper. Fear can grip you. Fear can grip you. It can grip your heart causing you to despair and grow hopeless. It can grip your mind, causing you to fear things that are just not going to come to pass, causing worst-case scenario thinking to go into the utter, utter worst case. Fear can grip even your body. I think even physically, fear can cause some real physical harm in our bodies, stress and fear and so I just want to pray. I just want to end this time together praying for a release of fear for you, for me, for all of us. Lord Jesus, we love you. We thank you. We praise you. And we declare we have not been given a spirit of fear. 
We are not fearful slaves. Now this passage would talk about being a fearful slave to the law or a fearful slave to doing, always doing exactly what's right because we, we don't want to somehow come under judgment and, and punishment. But it also this word fear just really produces this sense of panic, this sense of gripping. I ask in Jesus' name that anyone listening to this who has a tendency to be gripped by fear in the name of Jesus, be released from the grip. And now into the very hands of God, into the very hands of their Father, from the grip of fear to the grasp of the Father, from the grip of fear to the gentle, loving, hope-filled grasp of the Father. We pray for freedom from fear. From whatever source it may have come from as children or uh, just because of living in a very fear-filled world. But whatever the case may be, we pray for a deliverance and a freedom from fear. For if we have received your spirit, we are not fearful slaves. We praise you for that, Lord Jesus. And we stand on that. In your holy and precious name, we praise you. Amen. Pastor Tim is the co-founder and teaching director of the Joshua Center, a leadership training ministry which provides deep biblical roots to great movements of God. He's also the senior pastor of Firmers Chapel, a country church by a creek, reaching 13 countries on four different continents for Jesus and his kingdom. Join us next time as we grow deeper in the person and the power.